Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. Today, we are talking all things, drumroll please, protein powder. Yay! TBH, I did not think I would be doing an episode on this ever, but it has come up a lot lately with both clients and folks that I bump into at the gym, so I'm starting to imagine there are probably a lot more of you out there who are wondering the same thing. Protein powder. Do we? Don't we? Which good, which nasty? Help! And your girl's got opinions, so buckle in. But before I dive in, let me say that this is just a mere surface scratch on the importance of protein that we will go into quite a bit in the next round of Strength Foundation for Women program. And we covered a bit in the free guide, or excuse me, the free beginner's guide to strength training. So if you want a little bit more info and a deep dive on the benefits of protein and how to consume it, I'll drop a link to both of those in this bio. And just for your calendars, our next round of the online group coaching program, Strength Foundations for Women, opens end of February, and it is going to be a banger. So please hop on that commitment-free wait list so you do not miss your spot when doors open. And in the meantime, you get some pretty cool exclusive stuff. I also want to say, because <clears throat> it is important to note, that I have zero affiliation yet with any of the protein brands that I'm about to talk about. And Feel free to consider this podcast sort of like a manifestation episode that any and all of these will be future show sponsors, but nobody's paying me to say this. This is just information that I've gathered over the years about protein sources that I find to be the best quality, the most tolerable, and the cleanest out there, all of which are super duper important. Protein powder, it's one of the only supplements that I really highly recommend to my clients, especially my women. My clientele are mostly busy professionals who are adding workouts into their life for health reasons, to age better, feel good in their bodies, have more energy, prepare their bodies for a healthy pregnancy, feel better in perimenopause, lessen their chances of injury or chronic illness, etc. AKA the average human who doesn't have huge body composition goals or hours of time to dedicate to working out in the gym and dollars to throw away on every single supplement that Instagram throws their way. When I bring up adding protein powder into their nutrition plan, however, I often get pushed back with, but I'm not a bodybuilder. And I recently heard Jade Teta, who is awesome, share something that was huge perspective shift that I think is deeply important for people to think about, especially women, especially postmenopausal women. 
he brought up that weightlifting is all too often characterized as a young dude's chasing gains, when in fact, it is actually the most beneficial and crucial for women, especially women who are postmenopausal, because they have a much harder time building and maintaining lean muscle mass, which is a huge indicator for our health. I digress a bit, but I wanted to set the stage because I think people have a very similar misrepresentation of protein powder being exclusively for bodybuilders when, in fact, it benefits everybody. For the most part, we should all be eating roughly 1 to 1.3 grams of protein per our ideal pound of body weight. Again, for the folks in the back, every day we should be eating roughly 1 to 1.3 grams of protein per ideal pound of body weight. Yes, there are outliers, but for the general public, that is a great goal to aim for. And that's not just bodybuilders. They actually need more. This is everyone, especially women, especially women post-menopause. Are we catching on to this theme? So to my ladies, we have a much harder time building lean muscle mass and protein and lifting weights are our friends because remember we need lean muscle mass and this is all throughout our lives. So even when we're fertile, we have our luteal phase where we have higher levels of progesterone, which is actually a catabolic hormone. So even in our fertile phases, when we're in the second half of our cycle, it becomes really hard for us to build lean muscle and that. So All through our lives, women are at a quote-unquote disadvantage when it comes to tacking on the mass. When we hit post-menopause, we have a major drop in estrogen, which is one of our sex hormones that happens when we're ovulating that helps us build lean muscle. So that we have a really high spike of for all my fertile myrtles. That's in our um, follicular phase that we have a high level of estrogen. Um, But when we're post-menopause and we're no longer ovulating, that type of estrogen goes bye-bye and it becomes more important than ever that we start to get that 1 to 1.3 grams of protein per pound of ideal body weight and that we lift weight. Hello, Strength Foundations for Women. Anyway, it's really hard for most of us to get that much protein from real food in our day-to-day. I've tried it. It's a lot of work. And protein powder is a really excellent tool for reaching our protein goals because it is so important to have protein. My personal go-to way to use protein is to make some version of a shake between meals. So hit and breakfast about an hour, two hours after we wake up, full of macronutrients. Then somewhere between lunch and breakfast, there's a protein shake with 20 to 30 grams of protein. Then we have lunch full of those macronutrients. So that's fat, carb, and protein. Then between lunch and dinner, we have that second protein shake, 20 to 30 grams of protein, and then dinner full of macronutrients. Yummy, yum, yum, yum. And if you're working out, I would invite you to try programming the shakes around your workouts. That for me is really what's more realistic. I wish that I was really good at just like picking up and being like, time for my protein snack, but I'm not. But if I do a little bit before and after my workout, we're in business. So think of your first protein shake around an hour out from your workout. You can get a little bit closer, but especially if you have a sensitive tummy when you're working out, aiming for a little bit further in advance of your workout. And the second protein shake within 30 minutes of exercise. Men have a little more wiggle room here. They can wait as long as 60 minutes before getting their protein post-exercise. And a lot of studies are showing that women can't. Their window is a lot smaller, and it's shown that we should be hitting that protein within the first 30 minutes post-exercise for the amino acids in the protein 
to be broken down for muscle synthesis. And I will just put a caveat on here to take it with a grain of salt because I recently heard a little bit of mixed messaging and I just love to offer full transparency so you can make your own choices informed. But I have heard recently that there have been some other studies showing that as long as you've had protein that day so that you're not, if you are working out fasted, this would not apply to you. But if you've had like breakfast, let's say that you're fine for your workout as long as there's amino acids floating around your blood. But I would say most of us, the majority of us under eat protein, period. So erring on the side of caution, I would stick with getting that post-workout shake within 30 minutes. It certainly can only help. Personally, I like to zhuzh up my smoothies. So I add a little bit of carb for energy and flavor with my first shake. This can be banana, berries, etc. And I also add carbs to my post-workout smoothie to help replenish ATP when I'm doing, when it's not the middle of winter. And this one, I only use banana. Really fast before I talk about why it's just banana for that second one. I will say that this is not a meal replacement, y'all. This is a snack in between meals. If I make a smoothie meal, that smoothie is going to be six, seven, eight hundred calories. So the ingredient list gets crazy. This is just the snack, post pre-workout snack. So post-workout, I only use bananas. And here's why. Dr. Stacey Sims, who you know I love, has a fascinating section in her book, Roar, that blew my mind and went into research around avoiding anything that contains antioxidants. So we find those a lot in berries or deeply colored fruits and avoiding those for up to five hours post-workout. And I, I'm i just going to go ahead and say this probably is not as hard and fast a rule for the average exerciser. I think if you could avoid antioxidants for two to three hours post your workout, that would probably be enough of a window. And that sounds really counterintuitive, right? Because we hear antioxidants all the time and we know they're really good for us. But for the athlete, what she's arguing here that the research shows is that avoiding antioxidants post-workout allows your body to respond to the free radicals created during the oxidative process of exercising. And by creating, it responds to it by creating its own antioxidants or bodies will adapt to the stress of exercise by creating more antioxidants. But if we're flushing the body with exogenous antioxidants from berries or fruit or what have you, our body will skip that adaptation because we're giving it the antioxidants it needs. So just as like something fun to think about, I wouldn't like spend too much time, but it is, I'm always in here for, for a fun little hack. So now here comes the big question. What protein powder do I use? Because, and I will shout this from any rooftop you let me on to, not all protein powders are created equal. In fact, there is a lot of junk out there on the market. And I would argue at the time that this pod is getting released, it is mostly junk out there. I have worked in gyms for decades and I would not wish some of those ingredients on the worst of my enemies that we sold in our gyms. I digress. But this junk that I'm talking about is it's filled with flavors, fake flavors, fillers, colors, additives, preservatives that all make it really hard to break down the amino acids from the protein. And it actually causes inflammation in our body and our cells. It 
can be full of anti-nutrients. So even if we have something nutritional with it, it can block the absorption of those nutrients. It can lead to leaky gut, aka it all makes us actually less healthy in the long run. And on top of additives, a lot of protein powder is also sweetened with sucralose, which has been shown to actually increase insulin resistance, which is a cause of weight gain and metabolic disorders like diabetes. Sucralose is one of in my book, the ugliest additives that the food industry can possibly do to us because it's put in a lot of weight loss and like keto foods. And it is so detrimental to our health, but it shows up in so many workout supplements. Honestly, I think I remember when I worked at John Reed and I would look at the back of just all the drinks and protein snacks and not even just JR, all of the, all of the gyms I worked at most of those post-workout meals, shakes, what have you, are sweetened with sucralose. And y'all, that is a dirty, dirty beast. So anyway, the problem with it is that it's zero calories and it's, like I said, marketed to us as a healthy food, but it still causes our body to perceive it as sweetness. So our body releases insulin in anticipation of sugar. And what happens then is that it destabilizes our blood sugar. And now we have all this free insulin floating around. So our body becomes more and more insulin resistant. And again, remember, insulin resistant causes weight gain. But it also is a precursor to diabetes and other metabolic disorders. So if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, check your stuff for sucralose and get it out your diet. My general rule of thumb with protein powder and generally all supplements, and this is kind of a bummer, but as of right now, if you can buy it on a shelf, like walk into a store, pick it up, buy for buy it, and walk out, it probably isn't great. Those mass-produced products have the cheapest of protein sources and the nastiest of filters. And that being said, just because it's online, it doesn't make it perfect. Remember, like I said, at the time of this pod, I would argue that the majority of stuff out there is J-U-N-K junk. So the first thing I would say when you're shopping for protein powders, and I'll give you a few options in a second, but please, like I said, I just want this to be information so you can be an informed buyer. But the very first thing I would do when you are buying a protein powder is flip the package or toggle over on the screen and check the ingredients. If it's a list of long unpronounceable words, just skip it. Just skip it. Next, if it's possible, check the type and sourcing of protein. Night and day. So important. That goes for when we buy meat too, but again, that's a larger conversation. So just to be helpful, and this is just, like I said, no affiliate program yet. Come at me if you want to show sponsor, guys. But right now, these are the proteins that I use, and they're the proteins that I recommend for my clients. So my go-to at the end of the day are the one I use every single day, I should say, is Naked Way. And this actually, I didn't write this down, but I'm going to go a little off script here. So stay with me. I love Naked Way because Way is the ideal source of protein for a high leucine count. Leucine is the amino acid that helps us to go through protein synthesis and help build that lean muscle mass, repair those tissues. And I personally am low-key lactose intolerant in a lot of ways really do me wrong. It's not a cute look. I've been in some bad situations. But Naked Way is such a clean product that I truly have it every single day without issue. And 
whey protein, like I said, is kind of the gold standard when you're looking for protein powder because we want protein that is high in leucine. That goes for our food as well. That's why we usually go for like 30 grams of protein of meat because it's got that like three grams of leucine in that. Same with whey. Whey is very high in leucine amino acid. So the fact that I can do naked whey really makes me so delighted. They also have a very short pronounceable list of ingredients and their grass-fed cows. It also is very cool because they offer something called naked goat. I know the name is also just like the best, but this goat protein is stupendous option for folks who are even more lactose sensitive than I am and can't tolerate the way they have the goat option. It's just as clean. So cleanest protein out there that I've found so far, highly bioavailable protein. This was actually recommended to me by my mentor, uh, Victoria Pal. Definitely check her out. She's a goddess on so many levels, but she was the one who turned me on to this and she's also like a biohacking queen. So the fact that she trusts this brand to me was enough before I did my research. But anyway, Naked Whey or Naked Goat. They've got a whole line of supplements too. I really just use their proteins, but if you love supplements, check it out. We do the chocolate and we do the the regular flavor is just fine, the unflavored, but we do the chocolate and recently we did the chocolate peanut butter and that is pretty tasty. Sometimes people balk when they see the packaging because they're like, it's flavored with coconut sugar. First of all, super tiny amount of coconut sugar. And if you don't want the coconut sugar at all, I totally respect the naked way without any flavoring has literally nothing but the way. So that would be your way to go. I like a little bit of flavor. I don't mind that it's got a tiny bit of coconut because it's just healthier for us than fake sugars. And there's not enough to really tip the scale in either direction. Mark has been doing keto for a while and it works within his protocol. So it just checks a lot of boxes. Okay, moving on, because I know I know some of you out there aren't, aren't into the animal products and I love and respect you. So let's talk about Organifi protein. This is a vegan protein, which I support everybody's choices. I love you to do you. Like I said, everything I talk about on the podcast is to make you an informed consumer, what have you. So just so you know, and you've probably heard this a million times, if you're a vegan, you've learned how to eat your protein properly. But if you're exploring it by nature, vegan proteins, plant-based proteins are not as bio bioavailable as whey proteins. It's in other words, it's harder for our bodies to use. But that's also why I like Organifi proteins. For one, their products are incredibly clean. And remember, sourcing is everything. They use multiple protein sources, which for my veggies and vegans out there, you know, is a really important way to get all of your full protein profile, amino acid profile. None of the protein sources they use are soy, which is awesome because soy can be really detrimental to both men and women. A lot of times it's a really grossly overprocessed and can be wildly inflammatory in our body. And they include protease enzymes built into the blend that make the plant protein more available for human digestion and muscle synthesis. And the other big bonus I will say is that I really like the flavor of these. Sometimes vegan protein can be really chalky and there is a little bit more chalkiness to it than a way. I think that's just sort of the nature of the plant base, but I love this flavor. It's not super sweet. I personally like to use it in smoothies. I also put it into my oatmeal for higher protein breakfasts and I mix it into Greek yogurt for a high protein snack or treat C. And then the last one I'll talk about, which is also vegan, 
is Kian amino acids. And while it doesn't say protein powder on the label, it is the highest bioavailability, bioavailability of usable amino acids, the building block of proteins on the market. This is my go to pre and post workout. I do one scoop before I exercise and one scoop within 30 minutes after I exercise. And then I do two scoops if I'm in my luteal phase, because remember I mentioned when we're in that luteal phase, when progesterone is higher, we have a little bit harder time building and tacking on lean muscle mass. They also offer a pill version, which I think is great because I know a lot of people don't like to have to drink protein powder and this, or they like don't like the way it tastes or that mouth feels. So this is a great option to get really bioavailable protein without having to put in a shake. You just pop the pill. And then just a quick word on collagen protein because it has been all the rage lately and it does have major benefits when it comes to skin, hair, joint, and connective tissues. However, it is missing the amino acid tryptophan, so it's an incomplete protein, which is just a fancy way of saying it can't help us with muscle synthesis, aka making lean muscle, aka reaping the benefits of your workouts. So if you're using it intentionally to increase hair growth, support your skin or connective and joint health, by all means go for it, but do not count on it as your protein pre or post workout. Organifi, again, has a great collagen and I am a fan of that one because they're really transparent with their marketing. I'm so sorry, not with their marketing, but with their sourcing. And there's, unbeknownst to me, this is, I just kind of fly in this happy place. Apparently, there's a lot of controversy around the way that collagen is supplemented, or excuse me, sourced. Uh, It can be a pretty major factor in deforestation. So the fact that they come forward and talk about their forming and their practices, I think, is really noble. Uh... I also personally use Live Conscious, so that's a second great choice. And before we wrap, just a quick note on bone broth protein. In a word, don't. Bone broth in its natural form is a superfood for many reasons. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to translate into protein powders. In multiple studies, it's been shown that bone broth protein has high levels of heavy metals. Hopefully, this has changed somewhat since those studies come out. But until I see evidence to the contrary from third-party researchers who have no stakes in the company, there's really zero point in even messing with it. There's other options out there. So a long story made sort of short, the type and the brand of protein powder matter. And we should all be exploring ways to get more protein into our lives. Ladies, I'm looking at you. So the last bit I have to say, because I'm not quite done in this protein-packed ep, I was recently asked about protein powders designed specifically for women. And I love this question. I love it, 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 I love it. Because forever, we will be marketed to with poppy branding and a promise of weight loss. But let's just take a second to set the record straight. There's been a pretty big misrepresentation that there's a special kind of protein for women. Do you guys remember those Luna bars? I'm sorry, I'm not even going to get onto that. Anyway, anatomically, our bodies use protein pretty much the same way men's do for protein synthesis and building muscles. So leaning into leucine-rich whey protein with a short ingredient list is ideal. On top of that, unfortunately, most products targeted towards women are high in soy-based protein. There are three big issues with this. Remember, I kind of like dance around it up top, but 
Soy and the processing of soy makes it kind of a dirty processed food and can cause systemic inflammation in a high percentage of folks. And yes, there's totally ways to get soy that is healthier and sprouted. And I can't think of the word right now because I didn't write it down. There are definitely ways to eat soy that are healthy. But when you see it in a processed setting, more likely than not, it's about to blow you up with some inflammation. It can also be problematic if you are estrogen dominant. So if you show any sign of estrogen dominance or have PCOS or any sort of number of things, it can, because it is high in estrogen, it can really tip and flare your symptoms. And the last kicker is it takes twice as much soy to provide the benefits of whey protein. So I would argue Ignore the pink packaging and look for the shortest ingredient list with the best quality of sourced whey. Because remember, we're eating protein to support our muscles. It does a lot of other stuff, but that, that for the sake of this podcast, that's sort of what I'm leaning into. And at age 35, we begin to lo- lose lean muscle mass, which as Dr. Gabrielle Lyon lovingly refers to as our longevity organ. As we enter into perimenopause and beyond that, the muscle loss rate increases. Lean muscle mass, just as a quick reminder, because I'm just going to keep drilling it in, is a determinant for healthy aging. A healthy skeleton, increased insulin resistance, remember we, or excuse me, increased insulin sensitivity. Woo! So the opposite, the good, the good one. Healthy immune system, it prevents chronic disease and adds aids in weight loss because it's our most calorically expensive tissue. Studies show that with resistance training and leucine-rich protein, we can not only counteract that rapid muscle loss as we age, but we can also continue to build lean muscle. So skip the creams, tucks, and fillers. If you want to age well, you need protein. And there you have it. My six and a half cents on why protein powder is a great addition to everyone's world. Dot, dot, dot. As long as we do the right protein powder. Because you and your body are so worth it. All right. Until next time, Raiders. Ah, roo.